Hello, everybody out there in the internet world. Um, or if you're one of those fancy people who go the extra length um, to go ahead and, and download your episodes of podcasts and uh, listen to them offline, mm. hello to you as well. Um, and wow, you're an impressive person. This is Phantom Talk with the Phantom Correspondence. And uh, we didn't have enough um, names or phrases there with the word fandom in them. So we're going to throw another one at you because this segment is called Fandom Lounge, where mm. we're just going to kind of lounge about, just kind of a rotating cast of us fandom correspondents. Um, oh, yeah. Just just lounge on back, you know, have some, have some smooth jazz vibes kind of playing in the background. Yeah. Um, some, some chocolate-covered strawberries and some champagne. Uh, and we're just going to uh, talk about everything we've been up to. Um, anything on our mind, and we're just going to hang out. We're just going to hang out with you out there and just kind of spend some time with each other. I, I didn't intend for this intro to be <laughs> as sensual as it is, but it I, was, I, don't, I don't think Gosh knows what segment this is. I mean, <laughs> y'all said Fandom Lounge. I'm thinking of like a Fandom Speakeasy is what I'm going for here. Is that that's what we're doing? That's exactly what I'm going for. Uh, right. Okay, great. Well, um, you've heard those two voices just now, so let's <laughs> let's get everybody introduced here so we can kick things off. Um, the voice you're hearing right now is mine. Uh, my name is Al, also known as Red Lanyard, um, of the Phantom Correspondence. Uh, we also have with us um, the head honcho, um, the King Queso, if you will. Um, Jacob Vance Hardesty is with us as well. Jacob, how you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm 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 a little concerned and aroused at the same time. So there's oh. that. But well, uh, <laughs> I'm doing well. All right. Well, there you go, everybody. I bet that's what you wanted to hear. Oh, and I'm, then. I'm <laughs> He made things worse than I could ever do. That's true. I did. I did. Um, and you're welcome. And then, and then beside um, our head honcho, uh, Jacob Vance Hardesty, uh, we have um, the oldest of the crew. Some would say the one with the most tood of the crew. Uh, we have uh, Joshua the Wise Sage. And Josh, how are you doing this evening? So I, I got a lot of tood. Got a whole lot of tude going on right now. You got a whole lot of tude. If anybody yeah. asks me anything about you, a lot of tude happening. I qualify it with saying, "Well, he's got a lot of tude." Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah. But um, y'all, f- uh, f- thank you for joining me. Um, and we're just gonna launch right into it. As I said, fandom lounge. It's laid back. It is nonchalant. Um, and we're just here to hang out and kind of share with each other about our weeks. So um, I will start things off with my um, uh, with my compatriot Jacob, and uh, Jacob, I'm I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna ask you to start us off with um, what kind of music have you been enjoying the last few days? Mm. What's on rotation? Okay, yeah, dude, that's a that's a great question. Um... So, well, the 1975 just released a new single today, um, which is really, really good. They, if you, I, I know Jenny obviously talked about them on the, on the last Fandom Lounge, but uh, we, the three of us kind of, we kind of have similar taste in music um, anyways, so we just kind of listen to a little bit of everything of what the other listens to as well, and when she sent 
that to me today at work. That's when I was like, yeah, this is this is really good, and I, I'm glad this is on here. Um, but no, let's see. The other things I've listened to, I've been listening to a lot of um, a band that Josh were, was Virginia Coalition big, like, or mm-hmm. was it, no? It was literally just because you and Brandon were obsessed with them, basically, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so there's a band called Virginia Coalition. Um, that in 2008 released an album called Home This Year that probably one of my top 20 favorite albums of all time. Um, it's I, I consider a great album one of those where you literally don't skip a single song. Um, and that's definitely one of those. Um, so yeah, Virginia Coalition, they uh, were, were more commonly known as Vaco, is kind of their nickname. Um, but yeah, they're, fa- they're absolutely fantastic. I've been listening to more of their stuff. Um, other albums besides Home This Year, which uh, Josh had played for me years ago, and I never actually really got into. But, uh, but yeah, that's probably that's probably been the main thing on the rotation right now is uh, Virginia Coalition. The what is that album, Josh? The the one that okay isn't Home go. This Year. Okay to go. Okay to go. So yeah, so Virginia Coalition, Okay to Go, and uh, Home This Year. Those are the, those are the two main albums that have kind of been on my uh, on my radar the last couple of days. Okay. Okay. And um, for anybody who might be interested, how would you how would you describe their sound if you could oh. kind of compare them as far as genres go or other band comparisons you might draw? Sure. Uh, yeah. So we were actually talking, uh, me, Josh, and then our good friend BJ were actually talking about this uh, on the ride home from Lexington this past Sunday, actually. Um, which is what I'm assuming one of us will talk about here a little bit more, but. Um, <clears throat> We were playing back and forth different songs from Virginia Coalition and another band called Sister Hazel, who uh, were a little bit bigger in the late 90s and early 2000s. Wouldn't you say, Josh? Yeah, they did all for you. They yeah, I mean, yeah, they did all for you. Yeah, so okay. um, they uh, they so they they kind of have they have a very similar sound. Uh, apparently, that's where actually that's where Josh actually first heard Virginia Coalition was going to see Sister Hazel, and they were the opening band. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'd probably, I'd compare them to Sister Hazel, so kind of like a s- soft rock, I guess, would be the terminology. So I'd, I'd call them like a college rock band. They're definitely okay. within the okay. Dispatch OAR kind of uh, feel is what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know OAR, you're going to be okay with what you're listening to, Virginia Coalition. And then when Home This Year came out, it was a way more acoustic sound um, because it was about coming home off the road, so it was a little more laid back. Um, mm-hmm. But still very much in that college rock kind of rain very nice very nice well there you go everybody go new albums to throw in your rotation um and possibly try something new uh which is always good i don't know about anybody else i use spotify as my um as my streaming app of choice and um sometimes those spotify discovers um sometimes those really hit and sometimes they give you some really good stuff to kind of find and and discover, if you will. Um, and sometimes they are not great. Um, so um, it's always good to k- get some outside advice and hear about what everybody's listening to. But no, that sounds great, Jacob. Um, but yeah, now, um, um, Josh, I will throw the same question to you, man. What's been in the rotation? What have you been? What have you been t- tickling the ivories with, if you will? Yeah, JID uh, has been where, where I've been recently. Uh, if you're not familiar with JID, uh, he's got three albums out, but his his newest one 
uh, which is called the Forever Story, is really the one that's kind of hitting. Um, you use you, you were talking about using Spotify Discover. The, the way I discover new music at this point is NPR, uh, Tiny Desk. Um, nice. There have been so many bands I have discovered at NPR Tiny Desk. Uh, there's been bands I have discovered that are better on NPR Tiny Desk. <laughs> I would just rather listen to NPR Tiny Desk uh, and not actually listen to their uh, actual catalog. Um, but, um, but JID went on, uh, NPR tiny desk and I was really intrigued by him, um, because he's a, he's hip hop artist. Uh, but like his, his entire thing was he got together at, well, he put together basically a jazz band in two weeks and that's how he did his, his set. Um, and I just, I loved it. It was very like, very melodic. Um, and how he how he does things. Um, Hip hop's in an interesting place now, where uh, gotta, as much as I hate it, I gotta give a little bit of credit to Eminem here. But hip hop's in an interesting place with with where they're at, in that it is extremely important. Right, you cannot be a successful hip hop artist or be one that is uh, seen as a good hip hop artist if you're not playing around with rhythms and floating around the melodies. We see that a lot of Kendrick Lamar. Tower of the Creator, um, Eminem, of course, obviously. Um, but J.I.D. takes it to another level. Um, his his flow is so unique and different uh, and just kind of, um, you know, he, he, he pulls in so many great one-liners. Uh, I've played them for you. No, I know you have. Who's the other guy we were listening to? Um, money to be made. Topaz Jones. Topaz Jones, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That came out last year, though. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, excuse yeah. me. But, but I mean, I, I'm just saying, like, JID right now is 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 where, as far as like new music, what I'm listening to, that's what I'm listening to. I think Forever Story came out about a month ago, and it's been, uh, and I heard the NPR Tiny Desk about two weeks ago, and so it's been, that's been kind of where I've been at uh, as far as uh, what I've been listening to. Uh, other other things I've uh, explored on uh, NPR, uh, Ravina is really good. If you don't know who that is, uh, this really um, really interesting uh kind of smooth jazz uh kind of in the shot a kind of realm um she's really good um and then um yeah um <laughs> tyler childers is coming out of something new and uh you know he's he's making people angry um mm-hmm. with what he's doing um because he's basically He's basically uh, trying to discuss what the gospel actually is, which is interesting, coming from Tyler Childers. So we'll see how that works. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, but I'm just saying they, these are the guys that are kind of on my radar right now. Um, so, yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, NPR, Tiny Desk is great. Um, uh, I love those whenever they pop up um, on my YouTube. Um, I like those a lot. Um, you get to... It's also great because, like, I don't, I've never been a huge um, guy for like music videos or footages of concerts very often, and so like a lot of a lot of the people I've seen on NPR Tiny Desk, um, I've heard their music for years, but I'm seeing them uh, perform a lot of it for the first time, and so you get like these really um, cool insights that kind of change the way you. Listen to stuff um, like um, um, I remember I saw the Tiny Desk concert um, that and Folds did, and, right? Um, 
and, and um, he played piano and and seeing him actually play piano and seeing how kind of um, erratic he is and that's kind of like hitting hitting the keys on the piano whenever he plays like a his chord at quarter note or whatever it might be is really um, is really cool. It kind of changes the way you do it. Um, I also saw the NPR Tiny Desk concert of um, R Seat Headrest. Uh, which is a great band. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the guy who who um, who sings in that band, Will, uh, his vocal style isn't um, isn't what some people would call traditionally skilled. I think he sounds great. He's got a voice um, that fits their sound really well. But um, it was really entertaining to watch uh, that Tiny Desk concert because you could tell there were people in the crowd who were unfamiliar with Car Seat Headrest. Um, and, and didn't know what to expect. So when he started in on um, um, on Killer Whales, um, you kind of like heard a couple of like of surprise gasps in the crowd and just like, oh, that's not what I was expecting him to sound like. Okay, <laughs> but, um, but uh, no, that's a great show. That's awesome. Um, but um, uh, yeah, man. Um, let's see. I've been listening the last couple of days to. Um, this year's album that Heath Cadford Udy had put out. Um, they're a band I've followed for years. They're one of those bands who um, I can kind of uh, draw a map of my life according to their albums and like where I was in life when I first heard them and, and things like that. So um, I've been listening to that. Um, I like it a lot. There's a lot of songs that on the Benjamin has kind of changed their sound on a bit. Um, the opening track on the new album has like a has like a string guitar riff, like a s- 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 steel string guitar riff to open it, which is really cool and very much unlike anything they've done before. Um, um, and it's great. But um, so I've been listening to that a lot, which is always fun. That's one of those bands. Um, Jacob talked earlier about how. He considers a great album to be one that, like, every song is good. You don't skip any of them. Um, and um, I'm kind of the same way. I kind of consider a great album to be one that, like, I don't have to have to do anything else as I'm listening to the album, which um, um, I use, like, albums and, and music and stuff a lot of times as background noise as I do other shit. And so, like... Uh, Heath Cab for Cutie has always been a band whose albums I can kind of throw on and not have to worry about like occupying myself with anything else. I can just kind of sit and just kind of enjoy the song and the lyrics that are being sung and stuff like that. So uh, that's been a great album. Uh, it's been really enjoyable. But um, uh, now I'm going to uh, turn it back to you guys, anybody who wants to answer First, feel free to answer, but I feel like your answers will be kind of similar because I'm kind of intentionally setting up this question for y'all. Tell me about what kind of hobbies that you have that you've recently kind of um, invested in in a big way. Uh, um, I'll let anybody start. I'm kind of setting you up for a segue here. Um, So... So for those of you who do not know, um, 
because I haven't I haven't done a TikTok or a post about it recently, but we are currently sitting in a room that Josh and I lovingly uh, call the comic room. Um, we have well over thirty short boxes of comics. Would you say? Um, maybe more than that. Okay, so I just wanted to put in perspective for you. These are stacked. Oh, yeah, those, four are, those high. are four high. And there's a, there right are there. seven of them right there. <laughs> so, so we're already yes. past that. Well over thirty. Well over thirty. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, so yeah, we we have a lot of comics, um, but surrounding those comics, we also have quite a few action figures. Whether it's uh, GI Joe's, Star Wars, Marvel Legends, DC. Uh, apparently, apparently giant wildcats figures um, of Jim Lee's wildcats, Ninja Turtles, He-Man. Ninja Turtles, He-Man. So we are big collectors. So when it comes to our hobbies, uh, that's kind of a a consistent thing of just going out and finding different things to collect. Um, whether it's going to local flea markets, local shops that we really like. But more interestingly, to kind of discuss with this and Al, of course, you were there and you got to see us kind of in our in our realm, I suppose, would be the terminology for it. Yeah. Um, we like to go to action figure and comic shows, um, typically around around the Kentucky area. We haven't really done anything outside of Kentucky yet, mm-hmm. uh, which I think I think we should try to change that next year, honestly. I, th- Joe I, think, Lanto, baby. I think that'd be kind of cool. Joe, oh, Joe Lanto. Oh, you want to you go crazy. Okay. Yeah. Out of the state. We might, might as well. You're right. To go, go big or go home. So, yeah. We can have breakfast with Sergeant Slaughter. We can have breakfast with Sergeant Slaughter, if he's back next year. I know, mean, he's but, coming back. So, so, yeah. So, we like to go to different action figure shows. Um, this past Sunday was one called Lexington Figure Fest in Lexington, Kentucky. Hosted by, um, forgive me, I don't know their real names, but I know on Whatnot and on Instagram, they are Toy Vomit and Vegan Superkick. It's a husband and wife duo, and uh, they're they're honestly fantastic. If you guys are on Instagram or you're on Whatnot and you're looking for different action figures or things or comics, things to buy, please go check them out because they, if nothing else, they deserve just to be seen because they are really, really great people. Um, they used to run Toy Headquarters in Lexington. Um I'm not really sure exactly why they shut down the store. I think that operation has got too big for them. Think they best so? do everything online now. Yeah, they have some of. The, I mean, particularly as far as with him, as far as wrestling figures go, no one has a better selection. Yeah, and he gets weird like pro like prototype stuff too. Yeah, that I've never seen and weird imports. Mm. Uh, so I mean, he's if you're into wrestlers, he's he's the guy. Mm. A lot of uh, definitely, I have seen a lot of rarities that they yeah. post and everything. Um, but more, but even more importantly than that, um, whatever they are selling, you're always going to have a good quality item. Uh, and typically, their prices are pretty fair. I've never really been upset with anything that they were posting. Uh, and and let and let me tell you, when you start looking at some of the sellers that are out there, every once in a while, you know, you'll find ones where you're like, okay, that guy's just asking way too much. Um, you know, or whether it's just for a figure in general, or that guy's asking way too much for the condition that something is in. Um, so, you know, but but that's kind of what we've been, what we have been doing. We uh, we went to Lexington Figure Fest. I found some grails for uh, my Star Wars collection that I've been looking for for literally years. Um, one of which Josh did have to point out to me. Um, but the first one that I saw and gravitated to immediately is the Legacy of the Sith um, Evolutions 3-pack, which is Darth Bane, 
Darth Nihilus and a Darth Maul uh, from the from the EU that they did, and that set. I mean, I I I paid a good price for it, and it was and it was right. It was the best price I've ever seen for it, and it's it was still in the box, perfect condition. Um, to anyone who is a collector, we are openers typically, so we do open the figures that we buy more often than not. Um, so we might be a little sacrilegious in that to some people, but you know, everyone has their own things. Not all. If you, um, if you don't open your figures, they turn against you and turn into like hateful people. I'm sorry. Like stinky Pete. Like like stinky. Oh, like stinky Pete. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you're you're right. You're you're. Who <laughs> knew that Toy Story two would make would make was he did not make a connection with any owner ever, and that's why he's a sociopath. Because he. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we laughing? This I, is not a joke. No, that no, is literally the you, story of the movie. No, you're, you're right. You're, okay. you're absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. I never, I never viewed it that way. But yeah, Pixar man, just, yeah, just you know, make connections with the things around you. Who, who knew? He but could it, get out whenever he wanted to. That's the thing, though. What did you say? I said he could get out whenever he wanted to. He learned to, yes, yes. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, his entire thing was he was meant in package. You know, mm. he had never been played with, and so he didn't understand. Mm. So they understand they didn't have a connection. the value of having an Andy. Exactly. You know? Look, look at Toy Story two. But um, have thought just, just Toy Story two just coming in clutch. Yes. Um, but the other things that I did find, like Star Wars, were the two, were the was the main thing I found this weekend, um, as it typically is. I also found the vintage collection Doctor Aphra, which I've been looking for. I never thought I would see it. I thought that was one I would have to buy offline, um, and. And I feel very good about finding this one because it does have a very beat-up box with it. So I don't feel bad for opening this one as much. Um, and that also means that, yeah, it was a little bit cheaper than what it probably should have gone for. But the the guys who sold that one were really nice. Um, they were, very once again, very honest sellers, very, very good stuff. Um, but the thing that Josh pointed out to me, the two, the two things that Josh pointed out to me, actually, uh, were... In the mid 2000s, they started doing these um, comic two packs, where basically they would have two figures, and then a comic that was based on the two figures, or two figures that was based on the comic that was packaged in it together, basically. And the two that I got, one was Anakin Skywalker versus Dirge, mm-hmm. which anyone who has listened to the EU or EU episode of Giddy Tartakovsky's Clone Wars knows my love for Dirge because I do love these weird little side characters. Um, <clears throat> no one loves Dirge like Jake loves Dirge. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I've never actually had a Dirge figure. And this is, there are two that I really wanted. Um, and he's actually really kind of hard to find. But this is one of the ones I did really want because he, you can take his helmet off and you see what he actually looks like underneath. And that's important. One of his arms is like, a weird claw and everything. And so, so that, so that's really cool to me. So I was glad to get that. Um, and Josh was the one who pointed that out to me against his better judgment, most likely. Um, but the other one he pointed out to me, another one from the star Wars comics was, um, a shard het and the dark woman, which are two pretty big characters in the early parts of the star Wars Republic comic. Um, a shard het is a Tusken Raider Jedi, which is, different um but it's a he he has a really interesting story um he also later becomes a very different character in the star wars legacy comics but i'm not going to spoil that for anybody um but uh yeah it's really 
I don't know. We just had a really good time. I got a lot of cool Star Wars toys. And uh, Josh, you want to go ahead and take it from there and talk about kind of some of the stuff you got? I, as as I have the giant grifter um, from Wildcats staring thing, at me. The main thing I want to talk about with Jake is Jake's Maverick system. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so in the movie Maverick starring Mel Gibson, so right off the bat... In the movie Maverick starring Mel Gibson, there's a scene where Maverick tells everyone that he'll, he wants to play cards with him and he promises he'll lose for the first hour. And during that first hour, he's learning people's tales. That's what he says. And then, then he just starts beating the crap out of him at poker because he learns all their tales and he learns, you know, when someone <clears throat> has a good hand when someone doesn't. Okay. So Jake. On the way up there, says, I'm going to do the Maverick thing. I'm not going to buy anything for the first hour I'm there. I'm just going to look, I'm going to scout, figure out what I need, and then I'm going to make my move. That's exact. Uh, this is a, This is an exact quote. Like, this isn't even like a paraphrase. Exact quote was, a direct make quote, my move. Make my move, yes. Make my move. So we get there. We go in. We find a bathroom. Jake comes out of the bathroom. He doesn't make it past the first corner of the first table before he buys something. <laughs> I mean, literally, like, like he doesn't even get to the full end of the table. He just he's at the corner and he buys something. All right, okay. <laughs> and like, I feel like I need to defend myself on this a little bit, but there's no defense. Know. I'm just like, you know, I, it's. I mean, he didn't even. He literally walked out the first corner, just the first corner. Like, not not even didn't even scan an entire table. Saw four to five acting figures. Like, I need this one. And I have to have it right now, and uh, yeah, and so that that was that was the that was the fun part of of the trip for me. And then of course it was just game over, and like and like he's going to be like that 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 figure was only five dollars. He was spending he was spending stuff. The trust me, he didn't wait no hour, you know, uh, <laughs> to to buy things. Okay, it wasn't like he that was an, an anomaly. All right, he was buying stuff the entire time. Um, but uh, for me, of course, uh, you know. Um, I like the Joes. I like the G.I. Joes. And I buy a lot of G.I. Joes. And I buy too many G.I. Joes, actually. Mm. Um, and so uh, I wasn't expecting, um, when we went up there, I wasn't expecting to buy as much stuff as I did because um, I didn't expect there to be that many G.I. Joes because it seemed to be basically marketing itself as a as a wrestling active figure convention, which is fine. Uh, you know, um, but I ended up buying uh, several G.I. Joes. Uh, bought a minty spirit iron knife, bought a minty Tomox and Zamat, uh, you know, bought, uh, finished out my Dreadnoughts or the first uh, round of Dreadnoughts of Ripper, mm. uh, you know, uh, bought a Bivouac, you know, which is basically mm. a place, uh, a, a place where uh, uh, it's a play set, uh, just a tiny little play set where you can uh, uh, set up this like little campsite uh, for your G.I. Joe's. Uh, with a mortar and uh, and a cot and stuff like that, and just have your GI Joes hang out, you know, and they can just chill. And you know, when they're not when they're not defending the world against the evil terrorist organization known as Cobra, they can chill at the Bivouac. Um, so uh, just uh, I, you know, we we did we found we found some pretty good deals on things. Um, everything was a lot. It was a lot cheaper than I thought it'd be. Um, I did end up buying four of the uh, Master Universe uh, Masterverse figures. Um, every single one of them was basically store price. Um, so like I said, you know, we, we did pretty well. I think, uh, we, we, you know, we, we did, we bought a lot of stuff. 
on the way out, I had, I had walked past this 12-inch uh, grifter from Wildcats. I'd walked past it uh, probably about six or seven times. It was $20. I was like, I don't know if I need that or not. On the way out, I was like, I'm just going to go buy that and buy my grifter. And it, it was it's, it's probably, I'm not going to say it's the best decision I've ever made in my life, but it might be a top five. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely up there, and uh, so yeah, I've been uh, been in uh, been 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 enjoying that. Uh, yeah, and we've been we've been just slowly but surely finding places to put all this new stuff that we bought, um, which is uh, becoming slightly difficult. We need more shelves. We need way more shelves. Yeah, we're gonna need more shelves. Been working on that in yeah. several weeks. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> that's real. That's real. Then uh, um, I went with y'all. You guys were in mine. Heck of the woods, uh, which does happen, but it doesn't happen nearly as often as I wanted to. So um, um, I came, I joined in. I'm I'm not usually huge on collecting action figures. Um, I don't have a ton of them. Um, a majority of the ones I have are either like designed for Dungeons and Dragons, or they are ones that um, I've gotten as gifts, which um, I hold very dear to my heart. But um, I actually have a great, um, I have a great Red Hood figure that um, my friend and friend of the podcast, Harry, um, um, had gotten me as a birthday gift um, one year. Um, it's from the Arkham games. Um, that's like awesome. It's just really, really cool. But um, anyway, uh, but um, I went as well. Um, um, I love small cons. Like um, I like the bigger ones too, but there's just something very satisfying about going to like a smaller size convention and just kind of being able to do um, a few loops of the place within a couple hours um, and do um, the Averick approach um, that Jacob had attempted um, <laughs> and doing a couple of loops around um, getting a feel for anything that um, you might want. Um, um, it's great to go and like haggle with the guys and, and get to learn um, a lot of the vendors, um, their names and how long they've been in the business and where they operate out of. Um, it's a great, uh, that's one thing about action f figures and collecting them is that um, I already know that like a lot of, of the people I've met in that scene are just awesome. Um, and they got a really, really great um, community of people in it. But um, yeah, I got myself a couple pops. I got myself a um, a a um, a scarlet spider, um, of Kane, Robin Riley, um, which is really cool. It's got a cool little pose upon like the platform it's got and stuff, um, uh, which is neat. Um, and then I got uh, my wife and fellow fandom correspondent, Lisa, um, these. Harkiest of Sharks. Um, I got her a Strahd pop, which I was unaware even existed. Um, <laughs> I was based off of off of um, St um, Strahd of Dungeons and Dragons lore, um, the Lord of Ravenloft, if you will. Um, uh, but that was really neat. It's really cool and detailed, very much off of his design from Fifth Edition. It came with a little T twenty as well. Which was really cool, um, and then I got a um, a Thrawn figure as well. I was unsuccessful in finding the pop version of Thrawn, but um, they did have a um, Grand Admiral Thrawn figure from the Black 
theories. Oh, I, I, I didn't see that. Yeah, that was yeah. actually a pretty good grab, dude. That thing's actually kind of skyrocketing. I yeah. didn't. I don't know. You know, I don't know if you knew that or not, but that's a, that's a good grab. I did not. I saw it, and I was just like, oh, cool. That's a thrown figure. It's not the one Alyssa wants, but it's the one I'm going to get. And so I just grabbed it. So there you go. Um, again, I don't know like anything about the industry whatsoever. I just like to go and 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 find some cool stuff, um, which I did. I was hoping to find the um, old Spider-Man action figure that had the MK1 armor on it. Um, mm-hmm. um, just because that's one of the few figures I recall having seen as a kid in stores and i thought it was really cool um and i wasn't not allowed to have one um because it was too close to being a doll and that's just kind of where we were as a culture back then unfortunately um but um yeah i thought it was really cool however i wasn't able to find one this time but um i've got my eye out but um now um, before we move on to um, a special discussion part that um, I wanted to bring up, um, I do want to say, guys, if y'all enjoy hanging out with us, if y'all enjoy hearing us talk about the weird, dirty, and beautiful things that we all love, um, boy, is there some content for you, both in the backlog and coming up in the future. Um, as Jacob, um, I talked about just a bit before when he was talking about dirge um boy that's boy that's a sentence i say way too often <laughs> um we do do a star wars show it's called the star wars eu or eu review um where jacob and i do that uh we have guests on from time to time we might even be talking to josh here in a bit um on that show but uh, we do have an episode coming up uh, where we're talking about um, the book Lost Stars. It is the new canon book um, taking place kind of during the original trilogy of events. Um, it's about all new characters. Um, I'm really enjoying it. It's great. We're going to be talking about that um, for our September episode. And then um, looking forward to October, we got Shadows of the Empire with my very good friend Josh, as I said before. He's going to be joining us for that one. I'm super excited for that. Um, and then we also have a show that Jacob and Josh do themselves um, called Brothers with Issues, where right now they are covering the two main comic book events, um, which is um, Judgment Day, or as I like to refer to it as Axe, because it's the Avengers versus X-Men versus Eternals. That's a great name. Uh, they're covering that and the whole host of 83 hundred comic titles that fall under that event. Um, and then they're also covering um, the Dark Crisis event from DC, which um, I'm going to be honest, in my biased opinion, uh, those episodes have been some of my favorite ones that uh, many of us have ever done. Uh, those episodes are great. But um, um, and last but not least, we've got um, some projects in the work as well. If y'all are fans of fantasy series, um live right now actually live dropped today at the time of this recording i believe uh we've got um josh and jacob covering the mid season first half of the season of house of dragons um on hbo and then um coming up we'll also have some discussion about um the 
the Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power series as well. Um, and then we got some very special stuff coming to you in October as well. So we got all kinds of stuff coming up with all of our wonderful fandom correspondents, me, Josh, Jacob, and Jenny, and this, uh, possibly some guests as well. We'll see. So uh, be sure to uh, join us for that as well, streaming on all podcast platforms. Um, now, now that we've attempted to, to, um, to gain some traction on our other shows and pay the bills, um, I do want to bring up a discussion point before we close with our last segment tonight. And this is just kind of a random inspiration I got. Um, I'm still kind of figuring out how I want to do this show, The Phantom Lounge. So um, I do want to kind of experiment with having this kind of center point of a discussion question. And y'all, this discussion question comes from an interview I saw. Uh, it was actually a really, really good interview um, on the old YouTube. Um, and uh, the interviewee uh, was um, very well known famous YouTuber and content creator uh, by the name of Jack Septicai. Um, it was a great interview with him. Um, um, his real name is Sean. Sean's very intelligent. He's very well-spoken. Um, he's very compassionate. Um, he's great. But um, he brought something up because he was talking about kind of the passage of time that he's experienced as a content creator uh, for so many years. And he talked about how one of the common criticisms he gets for his content is this idea that his longtime viewers really enjoyed his old stuff way more and that they aren't on board with any of the, of the new stuff he's doing. Uh, they feel like everything he did in years past was way better and all these changes he's made and, and algorithms he's had to chase and stuff like that uh, just aren't as good. And he gave his take on that. Okay. And this is where our discussion kind of starts. Okay. And he gave his take on that, and he said that when it comes to to feeling nostalgic for how things used to be, or for feeling like you've outgrown certain things you used to enjoy, or whatever it might be, he said that um, it's very rare that there's a huge discrepancy in quality with things. Um, he said that does happen, but he said that the actual discrepancy being there is very rare. And what usually often happens is that we don't hiss the actual things from the past. But what happens a lot of times with, with nostalgia, in his opinion, is that we miss and we yearn for the way we felt about things at the time and the way we used to experience life right so it's not so much that we miss the actual things it's just that we yearn for a time when it was probably a lot simpler when life was probably a lot easier um, than it is now as adults in this um wild wild world and that we and that when nostalgia hits it's very rarely for the actual thing it's more so for the way we felt back then as we enjoyed that thing and I just want, um, I found that to be a very fascinating opinion uh, that I think kind of overlaps a lot with a lot of the fandoms that we talk about on this show. So I wanted to get your all's kind of thoughts and, and feelings about that and what you think about this idea of being 
nostalgic for older things or the way things we enjoy used to be. And if you agree with on the sentiment that Sean has, if you disagree with it, if you're kind of in the center somewhere, um, Josh, I'll begin with you because I know you're um, I'm very big on on nostalgia and things from the past and being remade um, and things like that. Um, I'll start with you. How do you feel about this kind of idea? Yeah, so I mean, nostalgia is dangerous uh, from a from a standpoint of um, uh, from the standpoint of the fact that if you're not careful, you can only see everything through the lens of how good you perceive you perceive things to have been uh, in the past, uh, which I think is what uh, uh, Jack is saying there. Um, that being said, um, I think Jack's concept there works a lot better with YouTube content creators or artists to begin with than it does mm -hmm. with, shall we say, society as a whole. Because there are things that, uh, that society today is missing out on, in my opinion, uh, that were integral to pre what previous generations went through and how they grew. Um, the big thing, of course, I always talk about is music. Um, there is no moral argument for being able to pay 20 bucks a month and listen to every single piece of music that's ever been created in the past 50 years. There's no moral argument for that. Um, and yet that's where we're at right now. And what you end up having with something like that is a, is a situation where um, you, music becomes this weird kind of, uh, instead of an investment you have, it becomes something that is a, a thing in the background or something that's, you know, uh, just not as important to people as it used to be. Mm. Um, you know, and of course, you know, I, I, and here's the thing. I'll, as I say this, my hypocrisy knows no bounds. Um, but I have I have Spotify, you know, um, you know. Before that, I had I had the I had Napster, which was kind of funny. Uh, Becky didn't know Napster still existed, but it did. Uh, and I think it's a little better than Spotify actually. But I got Spotify because everybody pressured me into getting Spotify. Um, basically, everyone on the fan correspondence pressured me into getting Spotify. Um, you're on the fan. I don't know what to do for you. Yeah, exactly. Like. Yeah, but but okay, and but what Jake just said there is interesting. Um, so, for example, okay, and th th this just is something that, in my opinion, um, is something that like Jack's concept doesn't really touch. There used to be a thing every Tuesday where you would wait for for a, a piece of music to come out. Okay. You would get a single and you would wait and you would wait and you would wait, you know, uh, you'd read about it, you know, there'd be previews, they'd perform on Saturday Night Live before they, the single, before the album dropped, and then on that Tuesday you would grab that album, you would go home, you would put it on, and you'd read the lyrics to it. I don't know anyone from my generation that didn't do this exact same thing, okay? Just to, just to give you context, if you're listening, it's going, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. I don't know anyone <laughs> from my generation that didn't do exactly that. Um, no one does that anymore. You know, you don't do that anymore. And so you lose, and you also lose a piece of, of the art of it because people like 
people people from as big a band as Kanye West and Taylor Swift to bands that are indie like May, um, you know, and everything in between would use how they presented the album, not just the music itself, but the the thing in it. Um, they would use it as a part of the art. Um, and so, like, I, I got off on a tangent here, but that, but that, that's just that's just like one thing where I would say, like, I understand where Jack's coming from, um, and I think in a lot of ways, what Jack is doing, he's sticking up for YouTube creators um, because YouTube creators are, are some of the, are are some of the, if not uh, are some of the most bullied people on the face of the planet. Um, they get crap from all sides. Um, if they have any type of opinion one way or the other, they either woke or ultra conservative. It really doesn't matter. Um, and he has to deal with all that. And then on top of that, uh, you know, you're so, you were more fun back in the day, you know, um, when in the fact, you know, Jack probably looks at things as like growth. He's like, I'm better than I was. You know, I've got more money. I can produce things more. I can pull more stuff off. Um, so to look at something like that and be like, Hey, you know, this is a, uh, you know, you were better back in the day. You're, he's right when you're just like, no, you're attaching, you know, your feelings, you know, when you were 16 to this, you know, and life was better then. But now, you know, uh, life is not good. And it's, you're 25 and, you know, you have crippling debt and you went through a pandemic and things aren't as fun anymore. Um, he's probably right on that. And so, you know, I, I'd say I'd say he's right to an extent. Al, just this was a long way to get where I was going, and you'll probably be like, "I'm never doing this again with Josh on the show." <laughs> but like, uh, a long way to get where I'm going is like, I think he's right, but there are addendums. I think there are things that we have lost, and I don't think it's a bad thing to think we have lost it. By the way, real quick, real quick, something that we had lost is coming back. Did you all see? Actually, this is a matter. Of, you, you're both too young for this, okay? So, as a 36 year old, <laughs> this is exciting, and you can't tell me McDonald's is not marketing this to anyone but us 30 year olds and up. The McDonald's Halloween pills are coming back. Do you know what that is? Actually, yeah, no, that that is exciting. <laughs> okay, uh, so so I don't, I can't speak for Al, but I know me personally. Um, I, I am part of like that last generation that remembers those. Cause like, I think okay. like the last year I did it was probably like 97 or something like that. I, I know I had one in 2002 because okay. two, 2002 was the first year that mom was, mom was like, okay, let's go a couple places for trick or treating. Right. Okay. And one of them was, um, um, the mall. So we went to McDonald's beforehand and then we went to the mall right after, and then I went around as a, I was a pirate. Okay. And yeah. R real quick, just to prove my point. Okay. Do they trick or treat at the mall anymore? No, they don't. You're right. No. They don't. No, they don't. And like, and, and I mean, is, is that'd that, be really is, sad, actually. I'm <laughs> saying like, I mean, that's a sad thing, right? It is. No, no, you're absolutely because correct. Because one of the things, in, a, a thing in Owensboro that used to happen every single year um, is that the mall completely. With like, with with no like, I mean, they didn't run. It wasn't like they ran Halloween sales. Nope. There was they got they gained nothing from it. But our mall, for the first eighteen years of my life, maybe less than that, had free trick or treating at the mall, and every single store participated. Yeah, you know, and that was a thing. Like we would go, we would go dress up and where we trick-or-treated was the mall we didn't trick-or-treat around town um because we didn't trust anybody um because everybody's trying to kill you 
But we would go to the mall, and we're like, oh, the mall's probably not going to kill you, because that's bad for business. So, like, we would go <laughs> we would go to the mall, like, and, and once again, like I'm saying, like, there was, there, they, they, there was no incentive for it, except we're just doing a good thing for the community. And that does not exist anymore. Mm. And it's, when, when I say that's sad, there is, yeah, there's nostalgia, but that's just, that's objectively sad that yeah. that thing does not exist anymore. Um, but anyway, I'm sorry, uh, just, uh, I, I, once again, I got off on our tangent. Um, no, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. That's why I ask these things. Well, let Jake uh, talk for a bit. I'm sorry, Jake. <laughs> hey, brother. It's all good. Yeah, um, Jacob, I want to send it over to you, and I want to add um, add an extra element or, or like an extra consideration here as well. Okay. Because one of the things that this quote from Jack kind of reminded me of um, – or made me think about is this idea um, when it comes to things from people's childhoods uh, being remade or retreaded in some way. And um, a lot of times, I wonder if you've ever um, experienced um, or witnessed this, Jacob. A lot of times uh, there are a lot of people who don't enjoy that remake or, or mm. remake of something mm. um, and they say th um, the phrase you see all the time is something like you know like um, this ruined my childhood or this ruined this this perfect thing that I had when I was a kid um, and and then of course the counter argument there is always well you know that thing still exists you know you can still go watch you know the original He-Man cartoon or you know Mm. Um, I right now I own like 18 different ways to watch the Empire Strikes Back like, <laughs> like something like that so do you think that that tension there that argument there between um, things being remade and retread um, and somehow damaging the thing a person is nostalgic for versus the idea that like you know that thing you're nostalgic for is always there and you can treat this remake or or, or, or reproduction of it um as as something else and still hold on to what you originally enjoyed um what do you th think about that argument do you think that has anything to do with how we think of nostalgia as as a whole or um what kind of arguments are or thoughts are you having about that idea? So if, if I may, I, I do want to address the, something that Josh said, uh, or re really sure. the, the first part of the question, if I, if I may, sure. yeah. um, <clears throat> about the, the occasional dangers of nostalgia, um, and how it can occasionally send you into, I would actually say a mania in certain ways. Okay. In 2002, I was eight years old. Okay. And I distinctly remember going to the basement of the library and um, where they kept the science fiction novels, the mystery novels, and more to the point of this discussion, the teen area. Now, the teen area at this point, okay? Now, once again, I was eight years old. I was not really allowed to be in the teen area at this point because I was not a teen. However, <laughs> my brother was. So I distinctly remember my brother handing me 
three graphic novels of The Return of Superman, Marvels by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross, and Essential X-Men Volume 2 by Chris Claremont and a slew of different artists at that time. One of those things is not like the others, but go on. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man. Say a little bit. Return of Superman. I was going to say, we're we're (laughs) going to just (laughs) let that pass on Return of Superman. I'm not going to say Return of Superman here. That's a a discussion for another time. But reading Essential X-Men at that point, while also watching X-Men Evolution, then... I would say roughly two or three months later, seeing the first trailer for X2 X-Men United yeah. um, on TRL, uh, which, children, that was a television show that was on a, a program called MTV, which mm-hmm. was typically a music show uh, or a music channel. However, they uh, would occasionally show movie trailers as well. Uh, many people don't remember this, Josh, uh, and and I know that's sad for you. Once um, again, I mean things that were <laughs> another better. music thing that yeah. yeah. I mean, like, um, <laughs> but but I remember the excitement I felt pretty much any time there was X Men involved. Okay, and I have this distinct memory, and I promise I'm going somewhere with this. I, I know I know I'm giving a lot of backstory, but you all know me. I'm a writer. This okay. is how I it's okay. <clears throat> I have a distinct memory of going to a store called Hollywood Video, and our mother picked out a movie, and I picked out a video game um, called X2 Wolverine's Revenge. Oh, boy. Starring Mark Hamill as Wolverine, by the way. I didn't know that, Um, but that's amazing. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Not an animal. I'm a man. (laughs) Um. But our mother picked out a movie called Rebecca, directed by Alfred Hitchcock from 1940. Mm. And I, at the time, had a pretty strict bedtime. And it was pretty late in the evening as already. So there was really only time to do one of the two things. However, I wanted to obviously play Wolverine's Revenge. But mom was like, no, we're all going to sit together and we're going to watch Rebecca. Should I have been watching Rebecca at eight years old in hindsight? Yeah, you know, so, so, most, most of the stuff that I would call negative would go over my head. Subtle, yeah. You know, it'd be yeah. subtle, you know, so, uh, so there's that. But, um, but I was obsessed with wanting to go play Wolverine's Revenge, and then, unfortunately, I had to go to bed instead. And then Josh got to stay and play Wolverine's Revenge a little bit. But... <laughs> I didn't really I win in that. In that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, if only I know it, it would take him more sleep. Yeah, it wasn't that exciting. Yeah. But fast forward to, I would say, about a year and a half ago, um, we had picked up an older P- PlayStation 2, and I found Wolverine's Revenge for $4. Ooh. And I was like, man, I'm going to play some Wolverine's Revenge. We never got past Juggernaut, so I, I can finally do it. I'm better at video games now. You know, <laughs> finally, years later. I did not get past the second level because that game, although fun, is like milk. is broken by today's standards of what an action video game should be, because action because video games have evolved. Some of them, for the worse, I will admit that there are certain there are certain things, and Lord knows that's another discussion entirely. We're already at an hour, uh, <laughs> but. 
certain things have gotten better about video games, but certain things have also gotten worse. When it comes to action adventure video games, though, a lot of them have progressed way further than X-Men Wolverine's Revenge. Contrast that with Rebecca. Probably one of, like, the, you know, 50 best films of the 20th century, would you say? You know, if not... Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Um, Lita Mill and Alfred Hitchcock, man. I mean, yeah, exactly. You know, they so... They did three movies together. One of them notorious, one of them Jamaica Inn, and one of them Rebecca. Mm. One of those things is not like the other. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the thing is, is that, you know... Thinking back to something that you, uh, the feeling, like you said, the feeling of how you felt about something when you were a kid, because I was way more excited about Wolverine's Revenge than Rebecca when I was a kid. But now someone was like, you can either play Wolverine's Revenge or you can watch Rebecca again. Then I'm definitely going to pick Rebecca, you know, because I, I've grown up and, th- and I've realized that certain things have aged a lot better, such as the... Uh, the, the fantastic film Rebecca and other things have aged not nearly as well so this Wolverine's Revenge so yes nostalgia can occasionally be, be can be um, dangerous in that sense however your question about you know you your your addendum to remakes and this ruined my childhood and things like that and well yes the the, the original thing is always there. I think there's something different that people need to do, okay? And Josh was talking about how he was going to have hot takes. I'm going to have a hot take, okay? Here we go. And and for the record, I'm going to have a hot take as someone who recently did this, okay? So you you talked a, bit, a little bit about how we, we might do something about Rings of Power soon, okay? And I'm not going to spoil anything because uh, I, I don't want to because, you know, that's just not what we do here. Um, but... I watched the first three episodes of Rings of Power, and I turned it off, and I said, I'm not going to watch this anymore. This is – it's not what I wanted. It's not – it does not give me the same feeling that the Lord of the Rings tr- original trilogy did. It doesn't even give me the feeling that the Hobbits – the Hobbit films did, which are definitely um, troublesome, you know, in certain in certain aspects. Some very good. Don't get me wrong. That's, once again, a whole other discussion. But – I turned it off because I was like, I'm not going to do this. And then I just kind of went on about my day. And eventually I was like, you know what? Maybe I should give episode four a shot. And I did. And it got better. Episode four was actually the first episode that I generally liked pretty much all the way through. And I started talking about that with, with, a, with my good friend Andrew, who was on the Lord of the Rings podcast um, last year. Um, because he was someone who, and he is, he is a pure optimist and, and I, and, and I love that about him. He is very much someone who, who wants to see the best in all the things that are coming out, all the things that are around. Um, and because of that, he actually talking about these things with him actually made me realize certain things that I had missed in that show just because there were certain other things that they changed that I was not really a fan of. Now, is Rings of Power the best show out right now? No, it's not. Do I enjoy House of the Dragon more? Yeah, yeah, I, I honestly do. I, I can admit that, okay? But the thing is that Rings of Power is not bad. It really isn't. And more importantly than that, if someone watches Rings of Power right now and they're, you know, 
10 or 11 or so. And then they say, well, I want to know more about this. I want to read, you know, Lord of the Rings. I want to read the Silmarillion. I want to watch the old Peter Jackson movies. If something new is bringing someone else into a fandom and allowing them to see what we grew up with, too, even if they don't like the stuff that we liked as much because it's, it's different than what is currently happening, that's a good thing overall. The uh, uh, rising tides raise all ships. I mean, if if someone is enjoying something new, there's nothing wrong with that. I think the same principle has, you know, is obviously when I think of fandoms that have that have gone that route of the "you've ruined my childhood," and I know what you were getting at. It's it's obviously the Star Wars sequel trilogy, because to this day, there are still the you know like. Kathleen Kennedy ruined everything about about what I love about Star Wars, you know, or or any time that there is something changes about a uh, about a Star Wars production, it's always the Kathleen Kennedy finally got owned, you know, and all that on these on these YouTube channels and like it's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a, like I'm not wrong, you know, and, and I can't think of any of those channels off the top of my head because I don't give those channels any kind of viewership because I because I'm not going to. If if your entire thing is that you want to be so negative about something because you can't at least try to see the positives of something, then I'm sorry. There's nothing there. There's nothing for me to to discuss. When I really started changing my mind about Rings of Power is when I realized, look, Galadriel is the main character. That's another. That's another strong female character for for some little girl to look up to. That's a positive. Even if Galadriel is a little bit different than what she is in the books and in and, and some ways, and then a lot different in other ways, that's still a positive for someone. Same sim- same situation with Rey. You know what? <clears throat> same situation with Rey Skywalker. Let me just go ahead and say get that out there. Even as someone who didn't like Rise of Skywalker, she is Rey Skywalker. Hang on. We got, we got, yeah, we good there? Okay. Yeah, you, good. Got, you got Scare Glow out? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. All right. I got Scare Glow <laughs> yeah. Anyways, as, as someone who didn't like Rise of Skywalker, you know, we still, to me, it is still important that someone, that some little girl or, or, or any, or any child is able to look up and say, that is a strong role model for me to, for me to follow. Because we had Han, we had Luke, we had Leia. My generation really had Obi-Wan and Padme and Anakin, and those may have diminishing returns in certain certain films, but hey, it was still our thing. (laughs) And now something that some kids can have, Poe, Finn, Rey, uh, some might want to have Kylo Ren, but, you know, that's, that's a whole other discussion. But... That's the thing is that people are so focused on how it's affecting you that you're not looking at, at how it's affecting others around you. Much like Josh when he was opening up the Scareglow and it was constantly uh, making the crinkling noise <laughs> behind me. <laughs> but, but no, that's, that's perfectly fine. And yes, Scareglow looks awesome there. Yeah. Um, but okay, Scareglow, a perfect example. Masters of the Universe. Masters of the Universe Revelation has... Some of I would say I, I'd say like some of the best animation. I would love to talk about Master Universe Revelation to your point right in an hour and sure. 
What was the actual question you were supposed to answer? The actual question, the actual question was, you know, was how does it affect ruining your childhood? Okay. You know, gotcha. okay. And that's the thing, is that as someone who did not necessarily grow up with He-Man, and the same way that you did, Josh, I watched Master of the Universe Revelation and I fell in love with all these characters. I know who Scareglow is now. I had no idea who Scareglow was. Now I know that he's kind of the worst character in the entire in the entire series because he because of things he does that I won't, don't want to spoil. Um, but I I fell in love with characters. I fell in love with with He Man himself. I fell in love with Teela. I fell in love with Orko, Man at Arms, all of these characters that I have seen and and like could point out. But I fell in love with actually who they are now because of this show. And so many people were unable to focus on that as being able to to see for for new audiences to see this that it almost got canceled and it almost didn't get a second series. Fortunately, um, as as Al has said before on this podcast, hate watches are still watches. So Netflix sees all those ratings and it's like, all right, cool. I guess y'all want a series two, and here we go. We're getting a series two and now, it did. and it did, and and I'm I'm so ready. So, so yeah, so no, I mean, like, to, to me, yes, nostalgia can be dangerous because it can skew your views towards something that you grew up with and not being able to grow beyond that. But when it comes right down to it, honestly, that's on the, that's on the individual. Um, and when it comes to content creators, you know, like Josh said, some of those guys are some of the most scrutinized and some of the most bully people on the entirety of the Internet. And let them do whatever they want to do with their channel, in my opinion. You know, if you, if you don't like it, stop watching. I will. I, I want to make a real, real quick thing. Just add, and I think it sums up pretty, pretty easily. Um, to answer your question, which I don't think really, I, I, I like your question. I don't think it really gets at what Jack is talking about. But to answer your question about like the remakes and stuff, I remember really when when DC Rebirth was happening and that first comic came out, and you know they were basically. They didn't say this, but they were basically like, hey, guys, White Wally West is back. And, and we're all happy now because Wally is white again. And aren't you happy that Wally is white again? Because the thing about Wally is he needs to be white again. And aren't you happy he's Wally is white again? And, they, and that was basically what that first comic was. And you'll never convince me otherwise. And I remember Chris Sims saying something very interesting. He said, like, look, I didn't like the New 52 that much. Uh, and this Wally West wasn't the Wally West I grew up with. But not everything needs to be for me. And I think one of the things that people need to understand with a lot of these remakes is that when you take something that has a long-standing tradition, He-Man, Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe to an extent, although I think I, I won't say nice things about Snake Eyes because it's not even G.I. Joe, <laughs> but like, but like the, the, the things that have long-standing tradition, Star Wars, what people don't understand is that these shows and movies, they have to reflect the times they are in, you know, um, the hyper-masculine He-Man of the eighties just does not work in 2021 and 22, in my opinion, it just doesn't. And they did a very smart thing with that, which was basically like, you know, He-Man, one of the things they did was they looked at that show and they said, you know, He-Man in the show never really wants to be He-Man. He always wants to be Prince Adam. And they reflect that in their show very well. And that made everybody angry because everybody apparently turned that show just to He-Man punch things. And if that's what you want out of things, once again, you have plenty of that media out there. It's it's out there. 
but not everything has to be for you. One of the things that I have not, Jake, I, I said one thing about it, but have I griped about Rise of Teenage Mutant Ninja, Teenage Ninja Turtles? Mm. I have not griped about it. No. And, the, and it, it is not the Ninja Turtles I grew up with. Mm-hmm. It just, in, in general, is not. But it's getting fantastic reviews, and apparently kids love it. So, hey, that's there the you go. Yeah. Ninja Turtles are still going around. They released Kyle Bunger Collecting. I can do whatever I want for Ninja Turtles. I've got Ninja <laughs> Turtles in here. You know? <laughs> like, not everything has to be for you. And I think people need to understand that. Um, you know, particularly if they want to keep these things going. You know, I, I don't know. that that That's always struck me. I've always appreciated Chris Sims saying that. If I ever meet the guy, I'm going to tell him that. Because he was right. You know, and if you if you look at media that way, if you look at media and go, okay, this just is clearly not for me, everyone's life will be a lot better. You know, uh, to be quite frank, everyone will be just a lot happier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could just look at media and go, okay, this is not for me. There's exceptions to that, of course, but I'm just saying, like, you know, there were there were people that, and we you can we can pull it up in our in our Zack Snyder Justice League, you know whatever review mm. or disintegration of that movie that we sure. did, whatever. Um, but there's a point where I say in there, I'm like, Zack Snyder has a following. He should have been able to keep this going. Yeah. And I hate the Zack Snyder movies with yeah. a passion. Okay. But if, but they're somebody, those are for somebody. Um, so, you know, you have to, you have to look at things that way. Um, and, and I just, I just think the fact that we can't do that anymore um, that we can't just put ourselves and have some type of empathy towards people that actually like this stuff, and we've got to, you know, cancel it or, you know, uh, you know, throw it. You do everything we can to get off the air. Um, I, it, it just kind of bothers me in a lot of ways, and I'm not totally sure that's even nostalgia. I just think that's selfishness, honestly. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry again. Yeah, because we we both went off entire heads. Yeah. No. No, no, it's okay. That was the entire intention behind the question. Um, I was to hear what y'all thought. So, no. Thank you guys very much for what happens when you talk to share and think about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, all right, y'all. We are, uh, we are going to wind down. And I have always felt that the best way to wind down is to get wound up. So, we're going to, yeah think about that for a while uh we're gonna close tonight with each of us taking a turn on a segment of fandom lounge that i refer to as the five in it soapbox where um each of us are gonna go around i told um i told these guys we were gonna do this beforehand that's been the only part of this um episode that's been kind of pre-planned and organized um, that we're going to go around and we're each going to take five minutes to get on the soapbox and rant about whatever's on our mind. It can be a positive rant. It can be a negative rant. It can be a rant where you don't really know where you're going and you're just kind of uh, like old Scott type thing where you're just like, I don't, sometimes I start a rant and I don't even know where it's going to go until I get to the end. Um, so that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to wind down. I've got the timer on my end. Everybody at home, if you want to play along, you can time us as well. But um, Jacob, I'm going to start with you. Your soapbox begins now, my friend. Oh, 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 oh hang on. Let me, let me get my timer pulled up. Hang on, hang on, hang on. 
Nope, that, that, nope, wah, wah, dude, do what are you doing? You had one job. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot there was an actual timer. Okay, all right. And <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Okay. All right. And go. All right. So I have an actual very positive rant that I'm doing. Um, talking about tabletop gaming and the different things that I've kind of been doing with tabletop gaming over the last few I mean, I, I would say just weeks, but honestly, it's been really this year was really the year that I've really kind of started trying to look at different games that were out there, different games that I've bought because I thought they looked cool, but I wanted to actually play them and actually see if they were. Um, I know Goth and I still need to play Gotham Under Siege sometime soon and really, like, get a couple more rounds of that under we, our belt. We played it. It was good. We did, yeah. yeah. Uh, the one, But we only did, like, one round because we were it was late and we were all we were tired CV. anyways. We were all CV, yes. Um but the two games that I really want to focus on that I've been really getting into here recently, um, Star Wars Legion is the first one. It's my first miniatures game. Um, and i got to be honest, I still haven't played because I have been so busy uh, painting and building and doing all that. Because let me tell you, that's the downfall of miniatures games is that takes time, um, especially if it's your first one because you're like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't have paints. And so... What I have done uh, over these last few months, because paints do get expensive, especially when you need to buy multiples at a time, um, is just every once in a while I'll go into a comic shop or a or a hobby shop, where, wherever you go to get your paints. Um, and then I'll be like, I'm going to buy these two or three colors today because I think eventually I'm going to need this. Um, that's a really cheap and kind of effective way of doing it. Um, it does take it does take more time, though. I, I will I will grant I will uh, say that. However, there are also, depending on the miniatures game, there are people who do um, multiple, uh, like, like, big sets that allow you to have multiple paints in one. So that's kind of an easier way to do it as well. But, uh, yeah, Star Wars Legion, it's been really cool building the different pieces that I've got. Um, I think I just need to do my speeder bikes and then Darth Vader and then I'm done with my Imperials. But uh, my next my next thing is I'm going to get started on my Rebels, because Imperials were a little bit easier because, of course, they're Stormtroopers, so it's black and white. Kind of hard to screw that up most of the time. Um, but my Rebels are the ones I'm about to do, and that's going to be a little bit uh, a little bit more hectic with all the different colors that you have on those. However, moving on to what I am currently doing, though, is, and what I was actually doing the entirety of this podcast, is the Lord of the Rings living card game from Fantasy Flight. Um so, if you have not heard about this, this has been a card game that has been going on for a little over ten years now. Uh, Fantasy Flight first brought it back, uh, first brought it out. Then they did a bunch of expansions and everything, and then basically it kind of died. But then they were like, "All right, revised core set, redoing everything, re-releasing things," and um, I don't know. It's just been really cool because I started. Um, I was able to find the first corset. Um, I was able to find the first corset at a local shop, and it was um, pretty cheap. And so I was like, oh, "I'll just try it out," and I fall in love with it. It's considered to be one of the better like solo games out there, um, which might sound kind of. Which some people might hear that and be like, "Oh, that guy has no people to actually play with him." That's kind of sad. No, not really. It's more so like schedules and you know people can't mm -hmm. always find the time to sit down and play a card game or or even have have a D, &D session lord knows that everyone on this podcast knows about that mm -hmm. 
So, no, it's really cool to be able to just have a game that I can play by myself and learn about the mechanics of it. And that's one of the things I really love about different card games uh, is when they are thematic and when the cards themselves actually really work alongside, like, the different characters. Prime example for Lord of the Rings, if you have a, like, a deck that has Aragorn and Arwen in it together, Arwen is constantly boosting Aragorn with different, with different abilities, giving him more resources to get different cards from your deck, and Aragorn, because of it, can constantly just go headfirst into, like, a pile of enemies, pretty much, and just take everybody out, because Aragorn's awesome in this game. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, I've really enjoyed that. I've enjoyed the different deck buildings, um, over the past weekend, since I've got about 20 seconds left over the past weekend, I did get the Angmar Awakened, uh, campaign expansion, which is a long expansion. It has a lot, has almost 400 cards in it. Um, all about just a different campaign. I was looking at some of the cards because the campaign is going to be really tough, but I just sleeved everything and I'm really excited to start playing it. And, uh, Yeah. Uh, go try out some tabletop games, especially the Lord of the Rings living card game, and I'm done. <clears throat> Very nice, Jacob. That was good. That was down to the second. Thank you. That was excellent. But, um, um, yeah, for sure. Um, also, just want to throw on the addendum. Um, if you are into tabletop games or if you want to get into tabletop games, cannot recommend enough. If you have a whole cool comic book shop, or a card shop or game shop, whatever you have around you, um, please give them your business um, because they benefit from it um, way more than Amazon does. I know Amazon is great as far as their variety goes, but um, these are these are real human beings who are trying to <laughs> to open and run a business and follow their dreams. So always be sure to give them. Um, but uh, now that being said. Joshua, please. Actually, Al, real quick, if I may, um, if you also if you don't know of a good shop near you, mm-hmm. uh, particularly if you're in the like Kentucky area, really uh, the Kentucky area. Good lord, the state of Kentucky. Yeah, <laughs> <the area. laughs> please, let, please feel free to DM us. We've been. I've personally been to a lot of different stores, particularly around the like northwestern part of Kentucky, um, and trying out different different things. So if there's if you don't know where to go. Please let us know. We'll be happy to at least try to kind of look look into it. Maybe kind of help you all find to find a new home home for your local comics and local hobbies and things like that. There you go. Heck yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, now uh, without further ado, Joshua, hit me with whatever your soapbox is on. I'm excited. You've been talking for a while that you've got some hot takes to share. Um, oh, I have a very hot take. All right, so Josh. Your I'm not doing a timer, so okay, I got you. It's cool, I got you. Um, yep, it starts right now. Hi, my name is Josh Hardesty, and I would like to explain to you why the public domain is a bunch of BS. I'm gonna do so by (laughs) to going taking you down the road of a movie called Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey. Now, in February of 2022. A.A. Milne and his family lost the rights that they had sold to Disney, lost the rights, and the beloved childhood character of Winnie the Pooh went into the public domain. Now, Al is laughing, Jake is laughing, but let me tell you, this is very serious, because here's the thing about Winnie the Pooh. 
is the first character that has actual, like, descendants living, okay, mm -hmm. that are now going to have to watch their beloved grandfather's work go on to a movie screen in a stupid slasher flick, okay? And if you think this is not a dangerous thing, if you don't think we need to somehow, like, figure out a better way to do this, I just want you to consider the fact that in 20 years, Lord of the Rings is going to be in the public domain. What are you going to do about that? Mm. Okay? When, when, when they start doing slasher flicks in Middle Earth, you know, will you be laughing then? Probably not. Okay? But I do want to go back to Winnie the Pooh because one of the things, one of the things all my hipster friends all the time tell me, because I am the only Disney, I'm the only guy here that is ready for the Disney takeover of the entire world, and I'm the only person that ever says that, and I'm perfectly fine with it because they're more efficient at everything that we do, including our government. Okay, so let's go on and just give in to them. But one of the things all my hipster friends tell me is, oh, Disney, against the public domain. Oh, they're just, you know, they're, they're always fighting to keep Snow White out of the public domain. Because, you know, Snow White and the Huntsman and, like, that stupid Jennifer or Julia Roberts movie where she was the queen. Those were just two classics we had to have, right? You know? But anyway, what I'm saying about Winnie the Pooh, the issue here that we're going into is that not only do you have a situation... And this goes back to our nostalgia conversation. Not only do you have a situation where women, uh, uh, men and women who are related to AA Milne, who have grown up under AA Milne, and who are now seeing their beloved uh, family's creation turned into this, not only do you have that situation, but you also got to consider the things that you're about to lose. Because let me tell you something Disney isn't going to be too keen on. It's putting out a whole lot of Winnie the Pooh stuff when there's a Winnie the Pooh slasher flick going on. And that to me is really sad because I, I get I get made fun of a lot because there was a point where I said the Winnie the Pooh movie was one of the best movies of the 21st century. And I hold to that um, because it is a fantastic tell about everyone there coming together despite all of their many flaws. And that's what Winnie the Pooh's about. And we don't have enough of that anymore. So like, for example... You know, it's okay, Piglet, if you have serious neurosis. It's okay. You can still hang out with us. You know, hey, Eeyore, you've got some depression problems. It's okay, though. We're not going to judge you for it. Still come and eat cake with us. Tigger, you're the most annoying person on the face of the planet. <laughs> it's okay, though. You know, come along, bounce on us. You know, Rabbit, you're like the worst neighbor ever, but maybe you can learn how to be a better neighbor to all of us. And not only that, Winnie the Pooh himself, if you want to talk about one of the reasons why this movie just doesn't work on a conceptual level, Winnie the Pooh himself is all about overcoming base instinct. That's the whole point of Winnie the Pooh. Every single one of Winnie the Pooh's adventures is starts off with, I am hungry, I want to go get honey, but I got to go help my friends first, okay? And I, I need to do that. And it's a constant temptation for him to go and help his friends instead of going and getting honey from people. Every single movie, every one of them, including the one where he gets stuck in the tree, all of them start and end that way. And if there isn't, if there isn't a concept that needs to be taught to Americans just on a daily basis, is that you are more than your base instincts. I mean, that's a concept that all Americans should be able to get behind. But more than that, here's the, here's what, here's the issue here. And one of the things that I guess maybe all of this uh, all this uh, horror movie is, is going to do for us. It's going to prove one of Winnie the Pooh's greatest points. Winnie the Pooh's invented literally to tell you 
that about this melancholy state that Christopher Robin is always in because it's Christopher Robin looking back on the fact that his childhood was good and it's gone. And that's what this movie is doing. And I said all that and I still got nine seconds to go. Wow. That was, that was impressive. That was impressive. Um, I just have to say you underestimate me if you don't think I would be a thousand percent behind a slasher fic. That's, <laughs> that's set in middle earth. That sounds amazing. But, yeah. I've, I figured. I figured that was. I figured as soon as I said, it, I was like, actually, that that's that's basically uh, typecast writing for Al. Yeah, yeah, that sounds awesome. You could have like an urukai like hunting a group of elves, and the elves are terrified because this is the only way they can die. Well, like, that's yeah, it sounds awesome. Um, no, that was impressive, Josh. That was really good. Um, but um, yeah, um, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, blood and honey. It's coming. It's coming, everybody. It is. <laughs> it's for better or for worse. It's coming. Mostly for worse. It's probably primarily for worse, but you know, um, that happens. Okay. Um, I'll close this out, everybody. Um, I'll hop on on the soapbox next. Um, I don't have a really intense one, but I do have one um, that's been on my mind here recently. So I'll go ahead and I will start now. So... Um, I'm behind on a lot of things that I'm trying to enjoy and keep up with. Um, and that's entirely on me, just like not having the, on the time to watch stuff, but like, it is becoming a thing where like, there's like too much stuff to keep up with in some ways. So for example, I'm behind on a lot of the Disney plus shows, which, um, I didn't think would ever happen, but, um, I just got busy with adult things um, and stuff like that. So I'm slowly um, catching up on stuff. But one thing that annoys me way more than the argument that too much stuff um, is coming out right now, that it's an overload or an oversaturation of things to enjoy. Um, um, I don't agree with that because um, I think it's great that there are a bunch of things you can enjoy. What annoys me way more is that there's so many things to enjoy and all of these things are surrounded by these paywalls and streaming subscriptions and some streaming subscriptions are starting to buy other streaming subscriptions. So it's up in the air on which ones you need and which ones you don't. And every time you look into having a bundle of streaming subscriptions, there's a plan that, like, you can't just have the two that you want. Um, you have to have one that causes the price to go up, that has the extra little channel subscription that you don't care anything about, and you'd rather save the extra $3 every month. But you can't, because who boy, just Disney Plus is convinced that you can't live without ESPN Plus and ESPN U Plus. Um, to complement uh, the Disney offerings and the Hulu offerings. Um, it just can't happen. But um, what this has done is that there has been a greater shift, um, especially now with all the stuff HBO has canned, um, all the stuff going on, on with them and Discovery Plus. Um, the other day I looked up where to watch Elizabeth Town on a streaming service. Elizabeth Town is only available on Paramount Plus and I almost had a 
aneurysm because I'm I'm paying like a hundred dollars in streaming subscriptions every every month and I can't find one that has the one single Cameron Crowe film that I want to watch at the time. Um, but what this has caused, other than um, a lapse in my health, is that um, a lot of people are going back to piracy, um, and we saw this happen. Um, it's just like history is really just a big old circle because this happened with cable, right? You had to get bigger and bigger cable packages, but those packages were just huge and didn't come with just the channels you wanted. They came with all this other stuff you won't ever watch a day in your life. So people were just like, well, screw this. I'm just going to walk. You know, for some reason, I'm fascinated with what's going on in season five of, Ar of Arrow. But, like, I'm not trying to pay for a cable package, so I'm going to just pirate it online and watch it. And streaming services were supposed to fix that now. But now streaming services are getting just as bad as all the cable packages were. So we're going back to pirating things, right? Now, this is not me saying I'm actively pirating things that I want to watch that I don't have a subscription for. Because that would be self-incriminating, and that's very un-American of me to do. However, I will say that the age-old sentiment coming up is that, hey, you shouldn't pirate things. It's not cool. You wouldn't download a car. You know, you wouldn't download this weird show about Halo that, like, was really a Mass Effect show that they didn't have the rights to, so they turned it into a Halo show. And it's weird now, and Cortana is oddly horny and you have to watch the show but like if you're going to you have to pay have to pay paramount their three dollars every month and i'm just gonna say here at the end of my soapbox as it winds down is that i tell you in no way trying to personally endorse the act of piracy i'm here to tell you that piracy is a victimless crime you are not hurting anybody like no the TV actresses and actors aren't paid as much as they used to be um, proportionally, um, but that's not your fault. That's the streaming service's fault because they're greedy assholes. So go pirate because they're not hurting anybody. And that's mine. Boom. That one, that one almost was, uh, was as controversial as get rid of the public domain. It's true. Yeah, Jake, you really didn't bring it on. That I, one, I, right? I did not. I was just like, let's put the Lord of the Rings card game, guys. Yeah. Man. However, you know what? I I really think that segment tonight uh, pretty much perfectly encapsulates the, the dynamics of us three. I can't think of any better way to kind of exemplify uh, just what it is we're about here um, as we endorse piracy. And we hate the public domain. Um, and Jacob <laughs> really likes to play card games. Yeah, fair. It's all it is. But um, uh, that does bring us to the end. Um, guys, thank you so much uh, for joining me on Fandom Lounge tonight. Thank you, everybody out there who hung out with us, who lounged with us. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, we're going to try to make this show a weekly thing or possibly a bi-weekly thing. Um, we are not able, unfortunately, um, to do these shows as our jobs. Uh, we just aren't there yet. Um, so we do kind of have to balance things and build things around um, a whole bunch of people's schedules. But um, 
as I said before, we have a whole lot more content uh, coming your way in the future. Um, and so we hope that you will join us for that. Um, and as always, fandom is for everyone except for um, the executives of all of all of the streaming platforms and for um, apparently the producers of Winnie the Pooh and Honey. Um, apparently those are the um, exclusions tonight. But um, but uh, we do want to say Phantom is um, for everyone. And thank you so much for your viewership and your support. And please go out there and be kind to one another. And maybe even go out there and steal a TV show.